Hello and welcome to episode one of Rainbow Drops, which is a podcast about nothing, I guess, and everything. Podcast about nothing. <laughs> it's a podcast about nothing. It's like Seinfeld. I've never even seen that. You said it's really good. It is good. You should watch it. It's a classic. I tried watching the first episode, I thought it was fucking horrendous. You should probably watch a few of them to get kind of used to the humour. It's kind of, it's it's different from your average American sitcom, because it's full of, like, irony and things. <laughs> it didn't seem like when I watched it, it seemed like it was being ironically terrible. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Maybe it was just so deep, I couldn't tell that it was just ironically being an awful comedy, and so it was just not funny. Yeah, from what I remember, the first episode isn't kind of laugh out loud funny. But so I should watch episode two. You should watch See, the I've, first series, I think. I've been tricked like that before. You remember Babylon 5? Babylon 5. <laughs> Guys, you need to watch series two. We need to even introduce ourselves. No. Yeah, we're on quite a tangent here. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm Fiona. And I'm Mark. And we're both programmers. I'm a game developer. You're a soon-to-be game developer. Yeah, correct. I approve of the validity of this sentence. Sure, can I talk about Babylon 5? Yeah, why not? (laughs) It's not what we plan to talk about, but sure. Doesn't matter. Just gonna rant about Babylon 5. Oh my god, that shit is so bad. I've got two DVDs over there. Babylon 5 series 1 and 2. We watched through it. We watched through the first two seasons. And almost everybody who's listened to this who liked Babylon 5 is gonna go, no, you need to watch the third series. That's when it gets started. Yeah, so why don't you just, why don't you just talk about why, what you didn't like about it? It was just not, not very interesting. Like, first of all, we should, we should explain that Babylon 5, for anyone who doesn't know, is. Anyone who doesn't know what Babylon (laughs) 5 is, they don't give a shit about this. Hey guys, it's a television program, and now we're gonna go into all the military. Why is it so bad? Well, in case, in case you think you may want to give a shit, but don't already. (laughs) Um, Babylon 5 gives a shit is a Babylon sci-fi 5. series made in the, what, mid-90s? Um, around about the same time as DS9, I think, because, yeah. which is early 90s, like 93, 94. And like I DS9, could go over and grab my DVDs, but yeah. I've got a laptop on my knee. Like DS9, it's set on a space, space station yeah. in space. Isn't um, this some weird story about how... They shipped around the idea of Babylon 5, or the guy who created it, to Paramount, is it? And then Paramount was just like, oh, we're not interested. And then made DS9 after showing them his idea. Is that, is that true? I think well, that's he true. just went and made Babylon 5 anyway. Yeah, I think he just went and made Babylon 5. And, and they, they were just, they were just like ripped off his idea. Yeah. And then everyone was like, wow, this is a bit like DS9. Yeah. Although they did the same thing with Battlestar Galactica and Voyager. Right. But Battlestar Galactica already existed. Like in the seventies, but I've That's never seen true. it. Yes. Like, I've never seen it, but I, I read, I've read up about it, and it sounds like they get to Earth and then spend like three series just fucking dicking about on Earth in the original Battlestar Galactica. That's like old Book Rogers style, <laughs> awful sci-fi. That that's what that's what a lot of people think sci-fi is about. But I think Star Trek changed that. I think Star Trek changed. For a lot of people, that is what sci-fi is all about. It isn't. And I'm sure lots of people much prefer the original series of Battlestar Galactica. Those people are idiots. Because it's, I imagine it's very just different. It's a different kind of series, isn't it? This, the bad kind of series and a good kind of series, up Mm. to a point. Well, to pop the conversation stack, um, (laughs) let's return to uh, Babylon 5. Prefer a kind of heap myself. Babylon 5 is all about a space station, and it's got these kind of regular 
cast of characters on this space Do you mean station. It's got archetypes on the space station. Yeah, looking looking after the space station, and then kind of interesting aliens turn up yeah. every week. Yeah, but there's like two characters who are actually good characters. There was the guy with the weird hair, and then the red alien was Kakar or something like that. Oh, it's been yeah. so long since we watched. And it. they were like, they were like, kind of. They were like rivals, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were like school kids. No, I want that gold. No, I want it. No, I want that gold. But all their stuff was interesting. Fighting over some but gold for some reason. That that their interesting stuff happened like now and again. But then we just marred in all this garbage. You think ever? But then it started with this interesting thing, didn't it? Where if you remember at the end of season one, there was some thing where one of the characters went into a cocoon or something. And spoiler alert for anyone. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a uh, this is a spoiler alert for time travellers. Um, <laughs> Fiona Fiona in the past was just about to drop a spoil. Actually I've only seen up to the end of series two, so it doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, so there was some interesting thing that happened where some character goes into a cocoon See, or something. How, how can you have an and... opinion on it if you've not watched the second series? I have watched the second series. We've watched up to the end of series two. But if you right. remember the reason we stopped watching it is because we watched through all the series one and while watching through it, everyone's always we need to wait until you get to series two. It's really good in series two. That's when things get started. That's when mm. it gets really good. And then we're watching series two, and it's worse than series one. It's just less interesting. Then you read online, you complain about this stuff to other people, and they say, oh yeah, that's because you didn't start watching series three. Yeah, series so three is when it really Series three is where it gets kicked off. So, fool me once. So, I think there were a couple of things that, that kind of got to me about it. I mean, there were some really good episodes. I think my general opinion... One or two. <laughs> my general opinion on it was that it was it was... There was nothing different about it, really. It was more of the same. I mean... We we'd kind of watched all the way through Voyager and all the way through DS9 before it. It seemed to be kind of very similar to those kind of shows. No, I mean they're kind of different though, because the Voyager is good in spite of its characters, and DS9 is good because of its characters. Okay, like Voyager has some of the worst characters ever. They those they have like no through line at all. They do completely different things from second to second. Janeway has no character. Like you can't predict what Janeway's going to do. There's lines in in adjacent she likes coffee. That's, well, that's one of the it. things yeah, you yeah, know about like, Janeway. Coffee in those nebulas. Yes, <laughs> she she can't start her day without a cup of coffee. Do you think they made her have coffee because Picard had tea? And Maybe. So, and so they were just like, oh, she needs to have a drink. Picard's hot like chocolate. Earl Grey hot. She's like coffee cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she had it warm. She's like the anti-Picard. Why didn't Cisco drink hot chocolate? Picard had no hair. Janeway had lots of hair. Cisco doesn't have much hair either. No. Maybe that's why she's so bad, because she has hair made some sort of statement. So, so, so I, that one five. No. I, so yeah, one of the other I things that, that I kind of... I don't know, I couldn't really get over this, but the, the, the CGI involved seems very dated now. Yeah. I think because all of the special effects are computer generated, and this is like mid-90s CGI... I think I think Babylon Five special effects, they looked like you know the series reboot where it's all kind of CGI, but it's it supposed works in reboot. it's supposed to look like a computer. No, they get away with it in reboot though because of the way they texture it. Everything is kind of flat textured or is like brightly textured rather than rather than trying to texture it realistically. So it looks like a cartoon because it's a cartoon. But Babylon Five right. looks like a cartoon and not trying to. That's be. that's it exactly. Yeah, Babylon Five looked like reboot but was supposed to look realistic 
But they should have just used the model. Um, the thing is, I'm sure it looked great at the time. I'm sure it didn't. <laughs> I'm really sure it didn't. I mean, they're not bad special effects for the time. It, it just looks really, really dated now. I think it looked dated five months after it came out. And so every time, and it's not, you know, it was not a, a huge deal, but every time there was a scene of a spaceship or something, I just kind of had to, like, consciously see <laughs> through the kind of terrible polygonal special effects. They shot your suspension of disbelief out of their lap. Exactly. Every time. Yeah, yeah. Every time they did it. And they love to have the the shots of the space station, of course. Cause it's... Okay, yeah. Well, it's how they change scene. Every time yeah, there's a new yeah, scene, exactly. it's like rotated a little bit more about one five. Um, another thing that I noticed about it is that in every episode, seemingly, the cat's eating my arm. Hold on. The cat is eating your arm. Um, this is this is chips, by the way, for our listeners. You can't, you can't see chips <laughs> I right now. I forgot about the microphone. <laughs> but, uh, but she's there and she's eating Fiona's hat. This cat has actually started to terrorise me. One time I was looking for it um, and just shouting her name all around the house and she wasn't anywhere. And I walked into the kitchen and on the right hand side of the kitchen door is my fridge freezer. And it was pitch black and she was on top of the fridge freezer. But I walked in and didn't know she was there. Walked past and she just went... Ah! And just scared me shitless. But she did a similar thing the other day where I'm lying in bed... And I was trying to get to sleep, have my eyes closed. And then, you know, sometimes you just have this feeling and you need to open your eyes. Well, I suddenly opened my eyes and I don't know how she managed it, but she was sat right in front of my face. And as soon as I opened my eyes, she just went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So I think she's actually terrorising me now. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, this has been Chips News. <laughs> chips News. Weekly Chips News. This news, <laughs> Weekly Chips. Uh, okay, pop, where were we? Oh, check this out. I didn't know Audacity did this. It tells you how much dispatch you got left in time. Oh, okay. How much time do we have left? Um, 122 hours and 12 minutes. Okay. It's going to be a really Strap long ride. Strap yourself <laughs> in. It's going to be a long ride. So, yeah, so another thing that I noticed is that every every week, seemingly, they had to shoehorn in some kind of a fist fight. But so did the Star Trek the original series, though. Really? Is yeah. that well? This is well, the, what, so, what is it with with that? Why why do you have to? Why do you have to have a chore, like a choreographed fight scene? I, th- I think I think the original series of Star Trek did start that. But I was watching. Um, I watched the original pilot. You know, they made two pilots for Star Trek, and the first one they made a pilot with quite a lot of differences, and it's like Christopher Pike as the captain, who actually shows up in a later episode of Star Trek, yeah. and Spock's in it as well. There's hardly any conflict in it. It's really interesting. It's called The Cage. It's this story about how they, they go to a planet and there's a distress call on the planet and they go down and there's a camp there of humans. And then all of a sudden the humans disappear and the captain gets t- stolen and kidnapped. Oh no. And it turns out that there's these aliens there who can project. Like, oh, the pizza's here. Yeah, the pizza. The pizza's here. Are you leaving it recording? Yeah, I'm leaving it recording. Okay. I'm cool. not going to get rid of anything. Sorry about this, listeners. Um, Fiona is just answering the door to the pizza guy. Uh, in the meantime, I'm here to entertain you. Um, so, yeah. Did you say listeners? You're having a Thank you.
back to Rainbow Drops, UK Star Trek and Babylon 5 podcast. <laughs> Welcome back from that short interlude. It wasn't short. We ate pizza for hours. We ate pizza. I'm supposed to be vegan. And, um, you wish you were vegan, but and, you're a moron. I just ate a pizza with an egg on it. <laughs> Extra cheese. So... And cheesy dough balls. Yeah. And it was my suggestion as well, so I've not really got an excuse. No, you're not vegan. No. Unlike you, I'm actually vegetarian. You're not even vegetarian. Oh, I'm vegetarian. No, you're not. I have not eaten meat for a long time. What, two months? Maybe three. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mark, it's ridiculous. You're one of those, like, hipsters who are like, Oh, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a vegan, <laughs> I eat raw food. It's like, shit your fucking face, I saw you eating non-raw food yesterday. Look, I don't claim to eat good food, I just don't eat meat. Except when you do. I very rarely eat meat. Fucking garbage, you can't even say things like that. Pick one or the other. If if you're happy eating dead animal flesh, then eat dead animal flesh. I won't begrudge you. What about live animal flesh? It's even worse. It's about reducing suffering, not (laughs) causing live suffering. Get drinks all the way over there. Okay, noted. I was talking about the cage, wasn't I? The Cage? Yes, the first Star Trek pilot. Oh, okay. So but, this uh, is the first episode of the original series, this is what the, we're talking about. Not the first episode of the original series, it's like episode zero, because they made two pilots. So they, this first oh, pilot... Okay. It's the, like the prototype. The series wasn't picked up with this pilot. And right. the reason it wasn't picked up is, and the studio exec said, it was too cerebral. It Ooh. was too clever. Okay. And too slow and too thinky. So they dumbed it down a bit. <clears throat> they dumbed it down. So this is why Kirk is like... So Cap- Cap- Christopher Pike has like quite a lot of flaws in this character. In fact, the, si- the, sh- the show like almost opens with him questioning his ability to carry on being a Star Trek <laughs> captain. And, okay, yeah. And that's, that's what you want from a character. That's you what you want from a character with flaws. Exactly. And because they're, hum- they're a human and being. Then, and then Star Trek The Original Series shows up and it's got this soup. It's like a child's self-insert captain character who's like <laughs> really handsome and always beats people up and is really clever. He has no flaws. What's Captain Kirk's flaws? It's Captain Space. It's, it's not arrogance because if arrogance was a flaw for him, it would get him in hot water and get him in trouble and it would have negatives, but it doesn't. His arrogance, but it's, it's a good thing. I think I think his flaw is over, over punctuating sentences. Wow. With, with commas. Well, that just gives um, you more time to, to come up with some crazy plan. You'll spark more time to think. What <laughs> in between the pauses in Kirk's, yeah. Kirk's monologue. If he has flaws, it's arguing with Spock too much. But all of the good parts... So what you're that... saying is that he should stand down as captain and just let Spock run the show. <laughs> yeah. DS9 is so much more interesting because of Cisco. is a much more interesting and... He's a character with flaws. Yeah. I, I, like, I like Cisco's character. And I can't remember the name of it. There was an episode in particular where Cisco does something very un-Starfleet. Yeah, it's the and best it... episode ever. Yeah. It's where he um lies to get the Romulans in the war. And mm. it has that incredible scene that just sticks in your head where he's um doing his little monologue, justifying it to himself. It's like, I can live with it. Yes. And then tells yes. the computer to delete the log. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. He ends the episode by saying did all these terrible things, but he'd do them again. It's not like he did a terrible thing and learnt from it, or it's like, I'll never do that again. It's like, no, I'd do it again. I'd do the terrible thing again. Mm. Spoiler alert, by the way. Uh... <laughs> Watch DS9. <laughs> the Romulans get in the war. And it is a fake. <laughs> DS9, by the way, for our listeners who who might not be... Fuck me. 
it's it's Star Trek, but completely different from the Next Generation and and the original Star Trek series. To boldly stay where they are. <laughs> no, not in that way. And it, its field is very dark and. It was different in that it had an overarching story. It's different in that it feels a lot less optimistic than Star Trek or the Next Generation does. Yeah, to the extent that you can get away with in Star Trek. I mean, it's nothing like Battlestar Galactica in that in that sense. No. Do you want to go back to Babylon Five, or have you? Do you feel like you've justified your dislike? I've for not it? justified my dislike for it. I just know I just really dislike okay, it. Okay, okay. My main problem with Babylon and Five. And another thing. My main problem with Babylon Five is that I was tricked into watching series two, and then people try to trick me into watching series three, and I'm not going to be tricked into watching it. See, fans have told me that by the time you get to like the the, the final series, there are like these massive payoffs. I haven't got. There are like things that they set up in like the first series. Yeah, that finally they, they have spend their the entire series setting up a character that then gets immediately replaced in the first episode of the second series. That's true. Isn't that's yeah. the kind of payoff the main, they're going for. The main for, character, the main, the main character changes. The captain guy. He yeah, leaves like the commander. The first I don't think we have captains in Babylon Five. Well, whatever. The space station <laughs> the man, <laughs> leader the of the managing space director of the space station, <laughs> prime minister of Babylon Five. <laughs> yeah, he um, you you he built, he kind of builds up his character, and you kind of get used to him, and then he leaves. Oh, do you know what I found out about Star Trek the other day? Um, back to Star Trek. Back to okay. Star Trek. It's a much better show. I've always wondered, like. Why are replicators and transporters different? And why can't you just replicate a person if See, I, I thought in like the that? Star Trek canon that they were both based on the same technology. So the reason they're different is that transporters work on a quantum level and replicators work on an atomic level. Right. And right. that's apparently the justification. And okay. that, and that replicators can only construct things atomically if they're not too complicated, which is why you can't replicate latinum or deuterium. Conveniently. Conveniently. But you can replicate gold, which is why gold is useless. Oh, I see. That's why it's gold pressed latinum. It's just useless gold. If you remember, there's that um, scene in DS9 where Clark's like, there's nothing in here but worthless gold. <laughs> That's basically as useful as a ham sandwich. They can replicate food as well, of course. <clears throat> they can replicate food, which is the reason why there's no hunger in the future. But does that mean you could use the... Tra- if the transporter is like a replicator, but... No, it's not like a replicator. That's what I'm saying. It works on a quantum level. Yeah, but that means, so it, that means it's just a better replicator, right? No, it means you can move one thing to, an, to a, one place, thing to another place by changing the quantum thing of... I don't know. All I know is that replicators it change the... It involves Heisenberg ma- compensators. All I know is that they're different, and it made sense to me at the time when I read it, and I was like, ooh, and I thought I'd mention it, but then I realised I actually don't know shit. So you can't, like, transport yourself a cheese sandwich if you can't be bothered going to the replicator? I'm not memory alpha. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So I guess we should defer these questions to the the Star Trek wiki. <laughs> yeah, to the experts. Well, there are experts on Star Trek. I'm sure there are. We're not experts. That's our disclaimer. We're not experts on anything. We're experts on programming. I'm, a, I'm, expert, I'm an expert on electronic music. Okay, okay. What are you an expert on? Uh, Terrible beards. <laughs> yes. It's just slow transformation into Riker at the later years. <laughs> oh, God, I watched Insurrection the other day. For the first time, I'd avoided it. I'd avoided it, so I thought I'd watch it. I thought it can't be that bad. Is that one of the Picard movies? Yeah, oh, my God. It is 
such shit. <clears throat> like, constantly, every five minutes, you're just like, why is that happening? No, that's wrong. Don't do that. It's so bad. There's a bit, early on, where Riker shaves off his beard. So he looks like an old young Riker. What? I don't know why he does it. That's terrible. Why would you do such a thing? I'll defer my complaints the to that. That's where he draws blanket. all his power from. <laughs> Not Space Samson. <laughs> his beard made the show better. All the episodes became better when he got a beard. It's I the Riker know. effect. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I know it's true. When did he have the beard? Did he get the beard like not long after Gene Roddenberry died? Do oh, I don't, I don't know in kind of, in terms of time. I know it was like the second series or something. I think Roddenberry died partly through series three, I want to say, really? or maybe four. So he, he didn't even see out the next generation? God, no, he didn't even see halfway through. I did not know that. No, he didn't see the creation of Voyager or DS9. Which is probably why they exist at all. <laughs> but he made he made that one called Andromeda, didn't he? He made a few things. He made Andromeda and him um No no no. No, he didn't make Andromeda. Andromeda was produced posthumously, as well as Earth Final Clock Conflict was also produced afterwards. But it says like based on in fact, it's no, 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 by the, Gene Roddenberry. No, no, the, yeah, the title card says, and the series is called Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Right. And so does um Earth Final Conflict. But neither of them feel anything like Star Trek. They're just based on notes. Oh, okay. I think his I think his widow like produced them or something. Yeah. There is Roddenberry as like the spin off June novels of Frank Herbert in that they're not. So it's like inventing the helicopter based on Leonardo da Vinci's notes and saying Yeah, it's like saying Leonardo da Vinci's helicopter. It's like it's like trying to imply that the Silmarillion is Lord of the Rings too. I can't wait for the Silmarillion film. (laughs) I can't. The film trilogy. No, they should do that. They should do a series. That would work. A series? Yeah, they should do a series based on the Silmarillion. Or at least just like, they can just make shit up, can't they, Lord of the Rings? Well, they did for The Hobbit. That's true. Like, 50% of those films. It is. God, I'm not watching that third one, I don't think. You've not watched it? No, I don't think I will. Because I watched the second one. I like the first one. I watched the second one and I couldn't stand it. I think I'm just not going to bother with it. See, it's, it's, it was a long time since I watched The Hobbit. I mean, read it. It was a book, right? I read it when I was really little. It's been a long time since I read it. Yeah, I, see, then... I, I read it when I was really little, but I read Lord of the... No, I read Lord of the Rings, both three books, after I watched the first film. Right. So I watched the first film, not knowing anything about Lord of the Rings, but having read The Hobbit, and then watched the second two Lord of the Rings films, having read The Lord of the Rings. Right. And Lord of the Rings was better. The second Lord of the Rings film was better, having read it, because... I think I think that plays into how good the production was on that, especially the casting. Yeah, but the casting is perfect. I mean, the thing I like about the Lord of the Rings films is is just the attention to detail, yeah. all the, the sets and the props and things. So with with the Hobbit, it, it's been so long since I read the book that I can't remember much about it. So I think Gollum's I think, in it. I think going into it not knowing the exact differences from the the book probably made it better for me. I, I quite enjoyed the Hobbit films. The bits I didn't enjoy in the Hobbit were the stuff that was clearly shoehorned, like all the white orc garbage and <laughs> fuck me. There was a lot of kind of slapstick in the more so. I didn't than mind the that. The Hobbit's a kids' book. Yes, and what I didn't it, want them. It? What yeah. I didn't want them to do was make Lord of the Rings zero. And so in the first Hobbit film, it's there's a lot of slapstick, it's a lot of funny, lots of dwarves doing around doing crazy shit, you know, funny stuff with riddles and all that crap, and it felt like a Hobbit film with the addition of dumb white orcs or whatever, who cares. But in the second one, it has so many like of these serious scenes with like talking about Sauron and the dark from the east and all this kind mm. of stuff, and it's like, 
Now you're trying to make Lord of the Rings Zero, well, and it doesn't work. I think they had to draw a balance between making Lord of the Rings Zero and making uh, a kind of faithful version of the the Hobbit book. Yeah, I think that's it. I think Peter which is Jackson, a children's book. Peter Jackson really likes Lord of the Rings. I think he loves that universe, but. When he went to adapt The Hobbit, I think there was an expectation that he had to create this epic saga. Yeah, yeah. Which so, is hard to do so from which, The Hobbit. So they've, which is what they've kind of done. They've made this kind of semi-epic trilogy with all of your favourite cast from the, the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit is just like these these barely connected adventures that the characters go on. They're not really... It doesn't really feel like this self-contained overarching quest. Mm. That's why it's dumb. <laughs> I don't think it's dumb. Oh, no, I love the, I love the book. I really like the Hobbit book. More so than Lord of the Rings book things. Lord of the Rings books are so dry. It's, it's all world building and no story, which is fine. I like world building, but not as an entertainment medium. I, I liked it. I liked it because I like the universe. And I think, they, I think they could continue to create increasingly inferior trilogies no, for no. the rest of time, and I would still go and watch them. I think that if they made extra trilogies based on Lord of the Rings, I think they'd be better than The Hobbit. Because they wouldn't be tied by this source material that is completely unsuitable for film. Right. And I think they'd make something good. Maybe. But they'd have to be making it up at that point. Which is fine. <laughs> Just so brilliant. Like, oh. <laughs> basically fan fiction at that point. Well, as long as the Tolkien estate is happy doing that. Half of it's fan fiction anyway in the Hobbit films. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, no, a lot of it's based on the Silmarillion as far as I is understand it? it. Is it, though? I don't know. No, you don't know. Because I've not read no, it. No, you haven't read it. <laughs> Experts. <laughs> so Babylon 5? No, we're done with Babylon 5. <laughs> I'm not talking about that anymore. I think I think the point at which I decided to stop watching it was when... This was going to be a video game podcast. Hurry up. It was the point at which, at the end... I think it was the end of the second series, there was kind of a big reveal. And it kind of... What was the big it reveal? It was something that had been... Spoilers. That have been building up for like the, those two series. Okay, yeah. So we've given the spoiler warning. So it, it was that that character. I can't remember his name. It was the character who's in like a, an environmental suit, and he's this kind of mysterious. Oh yeah, I mysterious character. All about him. And he just kind of floats around. Yeah. and He's always there to save the day. I like that concept. I I really liked that character before he got out of the suit, and then suddenly he's this weird angel thing. It made no sense. That's right. So. What were we talking about before Babylon 5? Seinfeld. Yes. So you need you need to give it more of a more of a try because it's it's really good. I'm not. Next. Well, you should. I'm not. This is the thing. You, no, you, you watch I'm one not. episode or something. 20 seasons of Seinfeld or something. I don't know. 10. God, fuck that. 8. I'm only on season 3 of Game of Thrones and that's bad enough. What do you think of Game of Thrones? I don't know if I like it, to be honest. Okay. Um... But you've watched three series. I like, like, two or three of the characters. I couldn't give a shit about what's going on. I, cu- I couldn't care about the family power struggles or who's fighting this, that, and the other. Whoever those I characters really, really are, care. they probably die. I know, they probably do. I mean, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Well, in the first season, the best character dies anyway. And there are no characters better than that character. But then there's, like, a couple of characters who are throughout all the series, I'm sure everybody knows the main good character. Right. They can't kill him. If they kill him, there'd be no point watching you, the show. You can probably refer to this character by name. Okay, Tyrion. Okay. Is the Spoiler best alert, Peter Dinklage. 
It's a little dwarf man. Okay. It's a little dwarf. It's very good. So for those for those playing along at home, we've ruined Star Trek, Babylon Five, and Game of Thrones. No, I haven't. Have I? <laughs> no. No, Peter Dinklage is alive, as far as I know, and I've been watching it. Okay. Is that a spoiler? Yeah. That is a spoiler. The thing is, Pete, you're terrible with spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I am. Like you, you try not to spoil things, <laughs> no. and you just inadvertently do. It's really a, badly as it's well. It's a superpower. Like you can be you can be talking to someone about say Battlestar Galactica <laughs> and just like drop a spoiler for the very end. <laughs> like just casually in conversation. <laughs> I was um I, when I was when I went to the concert the other day. You went to I a was, concert? Yeah, I went to Dampford on Friday. Oh, okay. Are they uh Fantastic. Are they a pop group? <laughs> no. They're a rap rave group from South a Africa. Rap rave from South Africa? Yes. They're very, very good. Oh. But a lot of people don't like them because they don't get them. I that's assume, true. I assume they were going to be industrial because that's, that's kind of your thing, isn't it? Nah. No, they, they have a lot in common with a lot of things I like. But um, and they, I assume it's a German name, is it? No, it's it's uh, Afrikaans. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> Afrikaans is the um, main language they speak in South Africa. It's a derivative of Dutch. Really? Yes. Because really? I think Dutch settlers went over there many hundreds of years ago. Probably not many hundreds of years ago. Probably a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> the other week. Not even that. Other Sail week. over. That's why there's a lot of white people in South Africa. Oh. They're Dutch descendants. And Afrikaans is the language that they speak mostly, which is basically Dutch. Wow. Well, I feel educated. Yeah. Did you never wonder why... All English-speaking South Africans are white as fuck. And why there's so many of them, but they're clearly not American or British or anything. I, I, it never... No, it never really occurred to me. Well, now I know. Do you not wonder why apartheid was a thing at all? No. No. You know nothing about the world, do you? So what did they What did they play? Um, The microphone and the decks. Oh, right, yeah. What did, they, what did they rap about? You know, they rap about... Life and, and things. Are you, are you doing oh, an accent now? <laughs> are you trying to do a South African accent? A South African accent. <laughs> um, mostly, um, me and my friend that I went to are just obsessed with Yolandi Visser, who is one okay. of the, one of the uh, people in the group. Yeah. She's incredibly beautiful. And she's just great. But, um, but the point was, is that when I was outside the concert, I was listening, I was like just overhearing someone talking, and they dropped this enormous fucking spoiler for Game of Thrones. So now I know something, and it's awful. And I I literally went over to them, and I said, I'm sorry, but I haven't finished watching the third season yet, and you've just spoiled that for me. Oh, you actually went over? Yeah, I went over to them. No, I didn't have a go at them. I just, like, jokingly said, oh, I'm not finished watching third season or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, sorry. See, what if they'd, what if they'd taken offence at your comment? And spoiled and even more. And spoiled <laughs> every series ever. What, every series ever? How does bring out the spoil book? Yeah, they just took a notebook out of their pocket. <laughs> so what said, are you watching You right know now? Darth Vader, right? <laughs> Is this a spoiler? He's Luke's dad. Rainbow drops the spoil cast. You'll never guess what Bruce Willis is in the sixth sense. He's an ice cream man. <laughs> Imagine that. Turns out at the end. So, <laughs> yeah, spoilers. I I really hate spoilers. I know you do. Like, really? It's all right, just talking to a can there. <laughs> talking to my Fanta. Doing your Darth Vader impression. 
Yeah, spoilers. It, I don't know. It's well. I mean, it's a kind of it's inconsiderate. I mean, it it ruins perfectly good TV series or book or film or video game. Have you ever heard of video game. games or or poem or sticker book? <laughs> you get the stickers in the front of the book. Don't tell me that. I don't to... <laughs> want to know that until I've looked at it. We found a Flappy Bird sticker book and album in the shop. Yeah, a couple of days ago. A hardback cover, Flappy Bird. It was the album. Flappy Bird 2015 annual. Uh, implying that there will be a 2016 Flappy Bird annual. Yeah. I, for one, cannot wait for the anthology of this year's news in Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird facts and puzzles. But the bit that got me was, was the two sheet of stickers, which was just every asset in yeah. the game. All of your but Mario pipes. It was like, it was like a sprite map. That yeah. was just cut out for you to use. Yeah, it was just like they'd taken the sprite map from the game mm. and made it into a sticker collection. Yes. It was it was amazing. There was a page on like other pixelated animals. Was there? And it was just photos of animals that had been pixelated. I don't remember that bit. I was I was too amazed. So I don't know whether this is like a serious thing, whether this is like a, a book that you would actually buy for children. But it was next to all the other manuals and manuals. <laughs> manuals for life. And the, all the other annuals that you'd expect, or like the Ben Ten shit. It was, it was like in the that. children's books. Yeah, actually. it was. Yeah, I can't help but think that it would be it would be better as an ironic gift. There wasn't a Minecraft one. I I would have expected that over Flappy oh, Bird. Min- Minecraft's passe no. No, Everyone's done not. with Minecraft. It's not. Even, even the five-year-olds are done with Minecraft now. I don't think that's true. I don't, yeah, it is. No, I don't think that's true. I think it's still big in schools. Really? Yeah. It's interesting, Minecraft, because its popularity with kids is at its core like a rejection of AAA video games. Don't I don't, I don't think children play it because they don't want to play AAA games. No, no, no. They don't play it because... No. I don't think you have, like, indie no, elite no. five-year-olds. That's not the. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that is clearly a reflection of what people, kids, actually want or actually care about, rather than, rather than what businessmen think they care about. I think that, yeah, I think that kids obviously aren't going to care about the commercial aspects of a game. No. And if it's if at its core it's fun and if their friends are and playing it. Their mates are playing it, that's the main thing, isn't it? Then they're gonna they're gonna play it. Whether it's made by, you know, a multinational corporation or whether like it's Mo made Yang. by basically <laughs> basically one guy. Like Call of Duty. Like Call of Duty, yeah. <laughs> um Bobby Kotick. It's now owned by Microsoft there. of course. What Call of Duty? No Minecraft. Yeah, I know that. Sold for two billion dollars. Yeah, which sounds like an Austin Powers line. And um, Notch now owns a multi-million pound house, which he outbid. Who is it? Like Rihanna, Beyonce, Beyonce one of those Someone. pop artists. I don't know. They're all the same. Yeah, he now owns this crazy pad in L.A. Yeah, and invited Anita Sarkeesian, who took the exact same picture and posted on Twitter that he posted, but with her shoes instead of his shoes in the picture. <laughs> so now there's like this this um, rich game person's meme, uh. where if you get invited to Notch's house, you have to take a picture of your shoes in front of his M&M's collection. I might just Photoshop my own feet into the picture. Yeah, that's one way of living the dream. Curled up next to... Vicariously through Twitter. Next to Notch's feet. Curled up next to nothing. <laughs> what your toes are curling in his presence. Mm. I wonder if he lives there. Do you think he lives there? I just bought it because he could. 
It's not in Sweden. It's in LA, I think. I don't know. I don't know what his situation is. I don't know whether he just... I doubt he knows what his situation is, really. <laughs> Imagine if you're in that situation. He might live in it. He might just live there on his own just because just because he's bought it now. He's got to get his use out of it. He's got a missus, hasn't he? Has he? I think so. Uh, if he doesn't. I have no idea. If he doesn't, can you give him my number? I wouldn't mind living in LA with all them M&M's. <laughs> I think... M&M's? Where, where did the M&M's come You've from? You've not seen this picture. Oh, okay. It's just got like his M&M collection. Because he, he can afford them now? No, because they come with the house. The house what? came fully furnished. What? Furnished with M&M's? Yeah, with M&M's. I don't think they count as furniture. Apparently. Unless they're they giant do. ones you can sit on. No, 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 they're edible. It's like in... How long do M&M's last? That's a point, actually. I don't know. I mean, chocolate has a sell-by date. But do M&M's? Well, they are encased in a sugary shell. <laughs> that sugary shell so... makes them impervious to all bacteria. Maybe it depends bacteria. whether you've bitten into them or not. <laughs> Maybe the, maybe the M has secret uh, preserving powers. That explains the M&M world in London. Oh, yeah. So, this yeah, this is the M&M shop, isn't it? It's not a shop. It's more of an emporium. I see it more as a cult. It's weird. Because D- Disney got big before they made Disney stores. There was lots of Disney merchandise, and then they thought, we can make stores out of this. So I get that. But I can understand that because Disney is popular, and they yes. have a lot of Well, th- this is why characters. it's so weird. And, like, there, there are a lot of fans of Disney things. So so it's like the M&M people came up with this concept of a Disney store, but M&M's, where it's three, four enormous floors that just have seems, M&M related... It seems to go on forever. It does go on forever. And it seems to have every possible piece of merchandise no, you could but, ever put no, no. an M&M yeah, logo no, on. This is the thing. It's not M&M merchandise. It's things that have an M&M logo on. Yes. Cutlery... Towels, t-shirts. t-shirts, any kind of clothing, got pants and bras and everything. They just happen to have an M M&M and M. And it's it's not just a t-shirt with M and M's on it. It's a t-shirt with the M and M's characters on those two. No, there's four, I think. Uh, there's a there's a girl one. These four characters are just in different poses. It, it's it's like, like because it's in London, there are these characters. It must be a tourist around. trap. I imagine they must have one in every major city in the world. They it don't. Must just be... No, I think they've got like two. Really? Yeah, I think I looked this up, but I think they've got like two. But who is it for? Who is that It's for, for tourists. I think it's to trick tourists. Tourists come over here to London and must think, wow, M&M must be a thing. But yeah. it's not. These Britons must really love their M&Ms. We like Skittles more than M&Ms for a start. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like M&Ms. I don't want an M and M leather jacket. I think M and M chocolate is shite, or tea cozy. Nice chocolate. I much prefer some Smarties. It's weird. I mean, I'm I'm waiting for the Tunnock's tea cake world, um, <laughs> with four stories of mallow tea cake related merchandise. Why have we never been to Cabri World? Cabri World. Yeah. I don't know. We like chocolate. Or, or Legoland. I've never been to Legoland. I like chocolate, but I'm not supposed to eat it now that I'm not eating dairy. Shut your mouth and run through this. Yeah, but I have to at least pretend that I'm not consuming dairy products. You're only lying to yourself. <laughs> Plus, I think if I, if I went to Cadbury World, I would probably eat too much chocolate. Mm-hmm. Because chocolate. I like the way the listener now knows of your vegan deception. Yes, I know. It's out there. Him slash her. <laughs> it's out there in the wild. Slash they. So I pretend to be vegan. <laughs> in reality, I eat pizza. With egg on it. <laughs> what, what's Cadbury World got going for it then? 
um, chocolate. It's been taken over by Kraft now. Yeah, and they've ruined cream eggs. Cream eggs? So they've ruined them. Well, how, how have they ruined them? So for a start, they're smaller. What? They're smaller anyway. So, so for a start, they're smaller. They get smaller and smaller every year, but now they're even smaller. They no longer come in packets of six. They now come in packets of five, which seeing as they're eggs makes no sense whatsoever. They come in packets of six. Because they are eggs, and you get eggs in packets of six. Now they come in packets of five. But the biggest problem is that they replaced the chocolate with their, like, with their cheap chocolate. So the chocolate and cream eggs used to yeah, be dairy milk. I heard that they changed the formula for the creamy bit. I don't think they did that. Oh, okay. So they changed the chocolate because it used to be dairy milk, which right. is the creamiest and milkiest of all. Cadbury's chocolates. Okay. And they changed it to a completely different, just like bog standard chocolate. That's so it's not Cadbury's chocolate? It is Cadbury's chocolate, but it's not dairy milk. Because mm. dairy milk is a different kind of milk, which completely changes the, the, um, the flavour of it. Yeah, I mean, but, this changes everything. So they admitted it, but they, their excuse was, in our defence, we never said that the chocolate was dairy milk. What kind of fucking excuse is that? It's not an excuse. We never said that it didn't have acid in the middle of the eggs. Now it does. <laughs> oh well. It is still an egg, so we're see, still allowed to sell it. Them, th- them being like a limited edition thing that come round every year for a few months. Are People, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they. Come... I thought they were all year round. Ah, the they were... bollocks. They come back and they go away for. So a they're while. for Easter. Oh yeah. Well, but they sell them in January. They sell them over the period of like four, five, six months, something like that. Yeah, I mean, Easter starts in January now in supermarkets. (laughs) Christmas starts in January, to be honest with you. (laughs) So yeah, they come round and people then go and buy them because they're limited edition. They're now being missold cream eggs because the chocolate's different. Everyone's like, oh, cream eggs are back. Go and buy some cream eggs. And it'll be just like it used to be. Memories. And then you bite into it and it's like biting into a turd. I don't, I don't think it's being missold, really. It is being missold. It's still chocolate. No, it's being missold. It's still a chocolate egg. It's being missold because people expect to be sold the good old cream egg and they're not. If, if they replace the chocolate with, say, Marmite, that, that, will, that will be being it's missold. It's the wrong chocolate, Grammit. It's the right. wrong chocolate. It's like it's like if they came with dark chocolate. To our credit, we never said it wasn't dark chocolate. I, I'd be down with that. <laughs> So, Grim Fandango Remastered's coming out soon. So, for our listeners who might not be familiar with Grim Fandango... Wow, Mark. Um, it is a point-and-click adventure game. Fuck me. You're going to do this every fucking time. By LucasArts. Just Wikipedia. Which came out... Every single time you mention a thing. What? Ten years ago? Like nine, nine. Oh, blimey. So 15, 16 years ago. It's all about kind of Mexican Calavera type thing. It's called Manny. And he wanders around and... <laughs> what? Why are you laughing at me? Mexican Calavera type guy called Manny that wanders about. Yeah, that's what Grim Fandango is about. That's exactly right. what it's about. No. Grim Fandango is a point and click adventure game. Which is, at its core, an adaptation of Mexican traditions and uh, about the land, the land of the dead and the day of the dead type stuff and appropriating all of the visuals and spectacle of those kind of events. Right. And it's great. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a puzzle game. <laughs> I said it was a point and click already. Yeah. 
Saying a point-and-click is a puzzle game is almost demeaning to the genre, I think. Point-and-clicks are so much more than the puzzles. Uh, for a lot of point-and-clicks, the puzzles get in the way. What? There if you so take the puzzles out, then it's just a story. But there are so many point-and-click games where the puzzles are really bad. Monkey Island 2, which I'll fight you on if you think Monkey Island 2 is good. The puzzles in Monkey Island 2 are really bad. Yeah, I imagine people kind of look back, back at it. They don't. With nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, they look back at it with nostalgia and fondness. Mm. No one looks back on it and thinks, God, those puzzles are really bad. I don't know why. I don't know. I totally should. I think you kind of, when you, when you've been bashing your head against the wall over a puzzle and you finally solve it, I think there's, yeah, but I think so it's many satisfying of... when that, when that happens usually. Yeah. Everything in my can too that, where the puzzle involves a book. Any of them. Yeah, I mean, in a puzzle game, you can get stuck on a particular puzzle and then kind of, that interrupts the flow of the story, I guess. Yeah, but some of the puzzles, sometimes you get puzzles that are good like that, where you have to really think about it, and then later you suddenly click in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, and some of them are just make no sense, or you would never be able to think of them, or just dumb, like Monkey Island 2. <laughs> or then some of them are just straight up broken, like Discworld. Yes. So we're talking about the first Discworld yeah. game here. Which um, has broken puzzles. Puzzles that make it so you can't finish the game. Yeah, at least in the version I had, I got so stuck with that game that I had to look for a walkthrough. God, if you think that's bad, you should play Space Quest. Space Quest, oh god, it, it's just so much worse in, in doing that. Space Quest. So what's that about? It's an old point and click. Is that from the Sierra era? Early, 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 early Sierra. Okay. Like, it was, it was that point where they were kind of moving from text adventure to graphical adventure, where you can, you move the characters about with the arrow keys, but you type in the verbs. Oh, okay. So you have to type, pick up. Yes. Rubber chicken. But, but you move the character with the arrow keys. It's, it's like them graphicalizing text adventures. And then they did away with the pretense of typing in after that. And had like verb yeah. command lists and stuff. Like in Monkey Island, the, you still have the verb list at the bottom of the screen. In the really early ones, Monkey Island had like 16 verbs or something. Stupid. Oh yeah, you had like look, pick up, push, pull, turn on, turn off. And then they had later versions that just had the six or so. Yeah. Which makes a lot, a lot of sense. And how often re- you turn on something? And then they reduced it to three. And then Telltale came on one and they just had one. Yeah, just click on a thing and something And Grim happens. Fandango just has one as well. Yeah. So in Grim Fandango, it, it, I mean, it's the control scheme in that game was slightly different to its its predecessors. It was wrong. By all accounts, Tim Schafer... Its control scheme involved you... It's tank controls. Yeah, you kind of press the direction buttons, don't you? And you kind of... It's camera-relative character control. No, character-relative character controls, rather than camera-relative. You, yeah, then you move... You move the character around the scene using the direction keys, rather than how it had been previously where you click the mouse and your character walks to that point. And they did that because the idea was it was to make you feel like more immersed with the character. So they mm. wanted to make you feel like you were the character, and they wanted to get rid of all interface, which is why there is no interface in the game. That's right, yeah, there's no, there's no kind of heads-up display elements at all, is there's nothing on the screen. Yeah. So the only time you know when you can focus on things is when his head turns in a certain yes, direction. That was that was quite a neat touch. You kind of see him glance at something that might be important as he walks past it. I thought that was fucking genius. Yeah, it's clever. It's clever. But you have to be 
really paying attention. But it does mean that when you first enter a room, you do have to like run around, like hugging the walls for about <laughs> just, five minutes, just in case. Just in case there's a hot spot around, Manny just swivels his head ninety degrees. <laughs> yeah, and the inventory system. Instead of having all the items kind of on the screen to click on, he kind of cycled through them. Like he reached into his into his coat and pulled them out one at a time, which is awful. And it, you kind of cycled through them that way. Oh, I hate that. I thought, I thought it was interesting. So they tried their best to make an immersive adventure game. It was a brilliant story. It is a brilliant story it since is it's being re-released, story. yeah, and remastered. Kind of the whole the whole kind of Mexican mythology. Made for a really kind of interesting theme. See, the thing that, I, that for me is so interesting about Grim Fandango is as a UK resident, I have absolutely no exposure to any of the Day of the Dead stuff. No. So I played Grim Fandango on its own without any of that context. And I do wonder how I would feel about it if I had had that context. Like, if, if, it, yeah. if it would mean more to me. I mean, it means quite a lot to me anyway. I mean, I consider the game a work of art. I really do. Yeah, I mean, so I suppose part of the wonder was kind of learning all about the Day of the Dead, because we'd never been exposed to it. I, th- I think it probably felt a lot more original to me hmm. at the time than it would have if I had had that context. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe if I'd had, if I'd have known, I would have understood why the characters looked so weird and why certain art choices were made, why certain music choices were made. Yeah, because all, all the characters are made to look like these dolls called Calaveras, aren't they? Paper mache models, yeah, basically. Yeah, like paper mache skeletons with kind of cartoon faces. <laughs> Felt tip faces. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really it's a really neat idea. Not because the whole the whole of the game is set in this kind of nineteen kind forties of noir kind of setting, where all the characters smoke cigarettes non-stop. Because they're dead anyway. Because they're dead anyway. <laughs> what have they got to lose? And there's a whole kind of, I don't know, kind of suave mm. kind of mystery to everything. It's that really interesting concept in the sit- in the uh, world where people get shot, but they get hit by bullets that make them sprout flowers. Yeah, and that's get right. Yeah, so in the in the story, there's they have no need for bullets because they're already they're already dead. They have no they have no need for bullets that kill yeah. living things. Yeah. So instead, they have these these flower guns that sprout people. Now, how does that work? Is that basically your soul, your dead soul, dies because it touched something living? I never understood the in-world justification for that. I've no idea. I've no idea how that works. Or, or do the vines wrap around your skeleton and you're doomed? I have like, no idea, work? but it, it just seemed pretty cool. Yeah, it's a really nice little contrast. Like, when people get killed, you, they, they, you say they've been sprouted. I wonder if that's some other mythology type thing that we're missing. Maybe. I'm super excited for it to come out. Like I say I was watching the uh, remastered making of videos, and there was this bit where... They got this little drive, this tiny little hard drive, and they're just like, this is all Grim Fandango was in the archives. <laughs> and there's something like, this is like 140 CDs or something nice. onto this little drive. And so he, and how, how are they, um, what are they remastering about? So, so on this drive was the original renders from the rend- free rendered backgrounds and all the cutscenes. Oh, okay. So they're not, they're not compressed anymore and they're not, they're um, 
done loads of additions to the engine, including a full lighting model. So they've done things like rebuilt the um the scenery with simplistic geometry so that they can cast shadows and lighting onto things. Because the, the game was sort of in 3D, wasn't it, in that the characters were, were polygon models. And the characters are polygon models. Moving but... around a 3D scene, but the backgrounds were kind of pre-rendered, like... Resident Evil or Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, but I think underneath the engine is very simplistic geometry that says what the characters can and can't bump into and what draws on top of characters and what doesn't. Yeah. And then the backgrounds are pre-rendered but projected onto it. Mm. And then the characters are drawn on top of that projection. Yes. And then occluded where they should be and things like that. Yeah. There is very basic um, shadows in Grim Fandango. Hmm. But they don't, they don't cast shadows on objects, they just cast them on the floors. There's very little lighting. So they've rewritten the rendering engine basically. Oh, cool. So now everything casts shadows on stuff as it should, hmm. even though it's casting it onto pre-rendered stuff because they've, as far as I know, they've modeled the backgrounds again. Oh, really? Um, they've done loads of things like, um, like w- one thing they showed off quite early was in Manny's office. He has like the slats from his, um, from his window. Oh. Um, from the blinds, sorry, blinds from the window. Yep. And they're kind of like casting a ni- nice light on, like, light on him and everything. They incorporated the changes that, there's like an open source re-implementation of Grim Fandango. And some guy created a proof of concept, um, where you could, where he added point and click controls. Oh, right. So the game now has Yeah, those. I would have thought that'd be difficult because there isn't, there are, there isn't enough space on the floor to click in a lot of places. There aren't many places I can think of where it's an issue. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So they could have made it kind of click to walk here type controls. So the game now has those. So they actually, uh, they actually pulled the guy who did those in, like they, they shipped him over there and, and he's, he became part of the team. That's quite cool. Cool. They're upressing all of the, the, the not, not upressing them, they're redrawing all of the textures. Oh, right, so okay. they're not really low res texture anymore. I think the models are staying the same. So it's the same models. I think it's the same models, but they're redrawing all the textures. Um, and more controversially, they've re-recorded and reorchestrated all of the music. What? Yeah. But the soundtrack was incredible. So as far as I can tell, they got the original composer in to redo the soundtrack, essentially, with full orchestras and things like that. Oh. So the same, same music, but done... Remastered. Done more good. But remastered. Okay. So I don't know how I feel about that, because it will sound different. I think the voice acting is just staying the same. I can't remember if it's really bad quality. I don't think it's that bad. So when you first played Grim Fandango... It was a long time ago. At what? When was the point when you realised, wow, this game's amazing, I have to play this to the end? Because the intro... The intro just captivates you immediately because it's got the thing where it comes in, it's like, dun 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 and it's big Grim Reaper and stuff like that. And then at the end of the intro, he takes off his jacket, kicks his legs into the, um, his stilts in, into the locker. And it's just like, oh, God, another one of these guys again. And so it just captivates you at that point. You mm. realize that there's just, there's just so many facets to it immediately. It sets the scene. The, the protagonist, Manny, who works for the... Is it the Department of the Dead? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the Department, Department of the Dead. He kind of... He basically works as a as a Grim Reaper, doesn't he? And he, yeah. he brings souls from the, the land of the living um, when they die into the land of the dead. Yeah, and sends them on the journey that, that they are 
allowed to go on. Yes. Which is all based on the legends. So that that whole intro where it introduces, it sets the scene. But with so much atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, the mood is it's just perfect. But then it just turns off its mood immediately at the end of that cutscene. Where he takes off his clothes. His clothes. <laughs> when he takes, takes off, off his, 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 his cloak. Yeah, his yes, cloak. His Reaper's cloak. It has a lot of character. The voice acting is just phenomenal as well. Yes. It's, it has some great voice acting. There's not, I can't think of a single character that isn't just perfectly voice acted. Even down to like the worker bees just have this fantastic <laughs> accent and. Yes. Like I was watching an episode of DS9 today and there was a character in it and I was like, his voice, I know that voice. I swear he played someone in Grim Fandango, and he's Valesco, who is um, oh. the pirate guy in Rubicava. It's like the first person you meet in Rubicava. Oh, okay. It's like, hey, Manny. Oh, yeah, yeah that guy. He also plays Griswold Goodsuit. The pirate captain guy. Griswold Goodsuit, is this from Monkey Island 3? Three. Three? Yeah, he's the bartender in the... In the bar on... Oh, the Blood Island Hotel. Blood Island hotel. Bar. Yes, the Blood Island Hotel. Yes, yeah. not the bar. Yeah, he's, he has a headache when you come in. Yes. You have to feed him hair of the dog. That's right. That's another, another amazing down. game. Another amazing LucasArts classic. Yeah. That was that was weird. Uh, sometimes you hear you hear voices and things, and you're just like, God, I know that voice. Mm. Well, Monkey Island 3 had Haggis the, bar, uh, the Barber. Yeah, who is Scrooge McDuck? Who is Scrooge McDuck? Yeah, I think that guy's died now. Yes, I think so. Sadly, but yeah, that was weird to hear. It's his very familiar Scottish accent. Yeah, I always assumed that Scrooge McDuck was a voice that was put on until I played Monkey Island Three. Well, how do you know it's not put on in Monkey Island Three? Why would they just tell him to do Scrooge McDuck's voice? Because he might just have a Scottish a Scottish voice that he does. Nah, surely not. Surely he sounds like that. I, I don't know. Who knows? Although it is kind of like a like a cartoon Scottish voice, isn't it? Maybe. It's, it's so Scott. <laughs> <laughs> that accent is deep fried. <laughs> it is over Scott, yeah. But a very good accent. So, they're not changing the models. As far as I know... Which is weird, because sometimes the models clip through stuff. See, that almost sounds a little bit disappointing, because... No, because I think the thing is, is how far do you go with that? Because you can't change the topology of Manny's head, for instance, without spoiling the the entire art direction. Okay, so part of the part of the reason they get away with having relatively low-poly models is because they're supposed to be papier-mâché dolls. But there are plenty of models in the game which aren't. The cutscene characters have almost the same geometry as they do in-game. No, they yeah, don't. Yeah, they do. No, they just they... they just have a better render model. Mm. There's not much more detail to the characters in the cutscenes, and that might be their justification for not doing it, because then those cutscenes look dumb. Maybe. Redo the cutscenes as well. I suppose there's only so much they can do. That would be too much. I think they've built it on top of Grime. Grime. The open source implementation. Oh, really? Fandango, which is... Which is like a fan-made thing. Yeah, it's funny that. So I guess they've just re-released it. 
But they, they've, they've done things like rewritten the rendering engine and stuff like that, and hmm. ported the PS4 and things. So, but they, 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 are they going to contribute that back to Grime? I hope so. It would be nice, wouldn't it? It was interesting a while back when I think the similar thing happened with the Scum, where the people who owned uh, Sammy Fish was it? What was it called? What What are we talking about now? It's an old um, Humongous Entertainment game. It was it had a fish in it, like Sammy Fish or something like <laughs> no that. No idea. I don't know. But um, they re-released that um, with the Scum engine because Scum supports all the Humongous Entertainment games. Because, oh right, okay. Um, they're all they're basically the later the last Scum games that were made. Right. Um, yeah, released it with Scum VM, and they, in doing so, they violated some GPL stuff. Ooh, dear. Yeah, they had to pull the game off the shelves. Oh. So that was fun. But id Software managed to do that at some Yes, point. they did, because... Was I it... think it was Doom or Wolfenstein they released with DOSBox. DOSBox. That was yes. it. Yeah. No, it was... Um, yeah, it was Wolfenstein and Commander Keen. Yeah. So they're using DOSBox, which is a, a DOS emulator, but uh, a GPL DOS emulator. Uh, and they bundled that with the game. But, of course, you can't... You, the, the, you can't the, release it if you've made mm, changes to so the So the source. changes they'd made is linking the Steam.dll. That yeah. was the problem. Yeah. So they re-released it without Steam DRM. Right. That's how they got away with it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I suppose they, they could have released the source for the. Oh no, because no, no, they can't. Because it's yeah. part of Steam. Yeah, it'll be against Steam's terms and conditions and whatnot. No, no, no. Basically, GPL's viral. It wasn't the. If it was under LGPL, it'd be fine. But it's mm. not. DOSBox is GPL. So anything that was linked to DOSBox must then have its source open. Otherwise, they're oh, in violation see. of the source. Right. Yeah, the whole copy left thing. Yeah, which is a load of garbage. But that's another discussion completely. Well, yeah. That, that does seem like a whole can of worms waiting to be opened. Who's your favourite character in Grim Fandango? Fiona's got a very kind of thoughtful face at the moment. <laughs> I don't know if I have one. It would be really easy to say, like, Glottis, but I don't know if he is. Glottis! There was a company car! I like Valesco. I do like Valesco a lot. Domino's good. Domino, yeah. Domino's really good. I like the little... Guy at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> this little light of mine, <laughs> I'm gonna make it shine. Yeah, he's neat. Oh god. But I think I think Glottis is my favourite character, definitely. Glottis is good, but he's too easy to say Glottis is your favourite character. Well, he's, he's the character that everyone's supposed to like because he's the big friendly giant, basically. There was this bit in the um, remastered video I was watching where Tim Schafer was saying how he could see his writing get better as it went along. So at the start of the game. He notices that every single line has a pun in it. <laughs> and it's like, at that point in his writing life, he felt like he had to write a pun for everything, which is true. Every single examine or everything he pulls out is just, <laughs> is just a joke. Like, like when he pulls out the cipher, he, he makes his point where he says, this is my cipher, just keep it where my heart used to be. And it's just <laughs> such a shitty joke. But it has to be a pun in every line. And then as the game goes on, that happens a lot less. Yeah. Which is interesting because the game does kind of change in tone as it, it gets, does, as yeah. goes it on. It gets more serious. It does get more serious. The stakes get higher. Mm. See, I always assumed that was kind of... I suppose it is deliberate to an extent, isn't it? That kind of, as the game progresses, it feels like the, the mood of the game goes through these different stages. But I don't know if it is deliberate in learning that. 
Mm, I don't know if it's, not. I don't know if it's just he changed the way he wrote in an attempt to make himself get better at his craft. Maybe. There's a lot of writing in that game. If he did all that writing, which by all accounts he did, it's a shitload of writing in that game. Mm. No. Still not play Broken Age. I think I want to wait till the second act comes out before I play that. So is that, is this a new, a new Broken Age? Uh, sorry. You mean, are we talking about Broken Sword? No, we're talking about Broken Age. The What's Broken Age? Double Fine Adventure that was kickstarted. Oh, the Double Fine Kickstarter. Do you want me to cut out where you were confused by what that was? Yeah, make me not look like an idiot. Okay. Yes, we'll not play Double Age. <laughs> double Age. Do you want to cut that bit? Yeah, I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> so I've not played Broken Age yet. Broken Age, now, using my extensive knowledge of adventure games, I know that this is the Double Fine Kickstarter. Just want me to pull up Wikipedia so you can read it. <laughs> it's a joke now. You've done it five, six times already. I feel that I should kind of explain what these things are because not everyone has the same knowledge of games that you do. Stop a fine adventure. The Kickstarter got $3 billion. <laughs> not quite true. What were they aiming for with the Kickstarter? Uh, 100 grand, I think. Right. But that was based on them producing an old school style LucasArts pixely thing. With no voice acting and no gubbins, basically. Right. Give us some money to make a little adventure game. Yeah. And then they gained $3 million. They got and so much money that they, they got had s- to change the scope of the they, project. They got so much money that it looked, it must have looked like unlimited money to them. Mm. So they changed the scope so much that they just scoped it to oblivion. And that's yeah. where they went wrong. Because games are not cheap. And to the fidelity that they were talking about with the names that they were getting in to do the voicing and just what they were doing with that game, they scoped it so far out so of So in what, in what way did it go wrong then? I don't think it's gone wrong. It's just, they just, they've just overscoped it and have had to split the game up in two oh, okay. to fund the second half of the game. Right, right. So they kind of, um, they were kind of a bit over ambitious. Yeah, they got, they saw the money and they got eyes bigger than their belly. Right. In game development terms. <laughs> So what kind of game is it? It's a point and click. Okay, okay. And how is it, is it nearing completion now? Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, I think the third part's supposed to come out in March. The third part, the second part's supposed to come out in March, I think. So the first part's already out? The first part was out a while ago, yeah. Oh, okay. I I totally missed that. Yeah, uh, you probably missed it because you weren't a backer. Right. But I was. Oh, so only the backers got access to it? No, because you can buy it. Oh, okay. I'm just totally out of the loop then. You're out of the loop in video games normally. <laughs> you only play games when I tell you to. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you do make a lot of recommendations. That you then play three years later. Yeah, generally. That's generally how it works. Play Mass Effect, yeah, man. I've not finished it. I can't, in many ways I don't want to finish it because I know the ending is terrible. Yeah, but you're playing it with the director's cut ending. You don't know that pain. You will never know that pain. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to see the non-director's cut ending. I think you should of... see, yeah, you, you should play it with the director's cut ending, and then afterwards watch the director's cut ending. And I want, I want, I want you to be there, next to me, while you watch it. Right. And then I want you to imagine what it was like going through that. So you can see my heart break in slow motion. No, it won't for you, because you'll have all the context of the director's cut, which is still dumb as fuck but has enough extra stuff for it to not feel like an enormous betrayal. Okay, okay. And you'll turn around to me and you'll go, 
did, is that all they shipped it with? Is that really what they did? <laughs> yeah, it is all they did. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll finish it eventually. They're making a new one, aren't they? Of course they are. Mass Effect made them shit tons of money. So they've been working on Mass Effect 4 for like three years or something. No, really? less time than that. Two years. No, it's, wait. Could be three years. Could be three years. Yeah, yeah I could actually. And they've not said a word on it. And every time there's a tiniest bit of information, the Mass Effect subreddit just goes mental. <laughs> just like, oh my god, there was a tweet that someone made that was just barely re- referencing something. Guys, guys, guys. It's, it's almost sad. Like every time there's a tiniest bit of thing. A voice actor said they were probably doing something for Mass Effect. Someone said, oh, if, yeah, this was it. The other day, someone made a tweet, it's like, I just saw Mass Effect 4, it sure as hell feels like a Mass Effect game. And the subreddit just went mental. <laughs> Guys, it's a Mass Effect game, I can't believe Mass Effect 4 is actually a Mass Effect game. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought it? It's just pathetic. <laughs> but that's what it's like, if you're a fan of a game like that, and you're just getting nothing from it. I'd love it if they dropped that game finished. <laughs> No marketing, no nothing. Has anyone ever done that? Just dropped a game. And it's like, here you go. What do you mean, what do you mean dropped a game? Like brought it out. But with no marketing or pretense or anything. I I think games that are extremely popular usually do that, don't they? Because they don't need to have a huge fanfare. You're taking the piss. Yeah, major games have like big marketing builds up six months before. That start in the E3 before it comes out, mm. and then just build up and build up and build up, and you get trailers left, right, and center, and streams and talks with developers and things. You really are out of the loop, aren't you? <laughs> Apparently, God, so. it's mad. No, I can't think of it. Well, there must be examples of games that have, that have released like that, just very quietly. Mm. That's going to be my homework. Come back next time with an example of a game that does that. So some of Grim Fandango's puzzles were very hard. Some of them don't even work on modern machines. Oh, I mean, there were, <laughs> there were bugs. There were lots of bugs. Yeah, there were some terrible bugs. I had one in Hopefully a puzzle. Hopefully they fixed the bugs for the remake. I think so. There was a bug in particular in one of the puzzles uh, right at the end of the game that, as far as I know, affected the vast majority of players. And if you saved in that point... You couldn't finish the game. That's harsh. Really bad bug. Mm. People who know... So I don't even need to spoil it, because people who know the game will know the bit I'm talking about. Yeah. But then there was another bit where if your computer was too fast, you couldn't finish this particular puzzle, but it's a little... It's very subtle. It's mm. not obvious that that's what's going on. Not like Toonstruck. There's so a, t- yeah, Toonstruck. <laughs> if you play that on a machine nowadays... There are bits where they've they've timed it to the to, to the, the clock speed, yeah. yeah. But there's a there's, the first puzzle that happens is halfway through the game. I think it's on disc two, even. Right. I think you've already played through like ten hours of Toonstruck, and then suddenly one of the puzzles shows up, and you can't do it. One of the puzzles is like um, a reaction game where you have to press the button before this thing drops to the bottom. So yeah. you have to have like quick reactions. If you play it on a machine now, it's it's Impossible. Literally impossible. Because it's way too quick. Yeah. Toon Truck's, uh, other than that, Toon Truck is a good, a good game. And that's another point and click. Starring, uh, Christopher Lloyd as the main character. It's very underappreciated, that game. 
It's a bit like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's like a it's cartoon. It's based on Who Framed Roger yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, it's basically. like a cartoon world with like a real life protagonist. They obviously saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit and was like, we can do that. Yeah. And it, it, it does a lot of, um, kind of. It references Link yeah, teams. Yeah, it makes a lot of, lots of jokes Warner about. Brothers cartoons. About stuff. Disney and all yeah. that. Yeah. I think, um, Quite adult humour in a lot doesn't, of places. Doesn't Dan Castellata voice flux wildly in it? Yes, he did he uh, Homer Simpson. Yeah, it's Homer's voice does yeah. a completely different voice. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. I, I thought the puzzles in that were quite good. There's a couple that are a bit dodgy, but by and large, it's got very good puzzles. The overall kind of thing, at least at the, in the the first part of the game, is that you're building this machine, and the the components you need for this machine are all kind of are all kind of puns and and sayings and <laughs> well, things. Yeah. So you have to like match. Objects with other objects. It's like even the puzzles are like based on cartoon logic, aren't they? Yes. That's one yeah, of the things that makes it so fantastic. Yeah. It's different from other adventure games because normal adventure games, when you get the puzzles, you go, oh yeah. With this one, when you get the puzzles, you laugh at it. Yeah. You laugh at your realization. If, uh, if you're a puzzle game fan, it's definitely worth checking out. But I think you have to like eBay it now. Is it on, is it on GOG maybe? No, I don't think it is. No. Mm. You could always build a 486 and yes. play it on that. It's on the wish list. No, you can play it in DOSBox and you can just, um, you can throttle the CPU clocks when it gets to that uh, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F11 or something. That works too. You better get first. <laughs> because otherwise it's impossible to play. And for any of developers listening, do your timing based on time, not based on processor cycles. Because who knows when it will be played in the future. Prehistoric 2 still says at the start of the game, Yay, my game is playable in 2015 or whatever. I think it started doing that about two years after the game came out. Oh, really? The guy, there's this little message that comes at the start of the game where the guy's just like, Yes, my game still runs at this level. And it's still running like, what, 20 years later or something? Cool. Yeah. I'd, cool. I'd rediscover that like every couple of years. I'd, I'd reload it. Prehistoric 2. Like what, what, is, what is Prehistoric 2? It's a platformer. It's an old DOS Amiga platformer. Oh, okay. So Any good? I don't really know, to be honest with you. <laughs> you just keep firing it up, seeing the message, and thinking... Because it's one of those... Yes! It's one of those games where you played it when you were little. Right. So, oh, so it's purely nostalgia. Yeah. Those images just bring back different memories in my head. You know, when you see those sprites, you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, it just fires these little neurons in the back of your head that haven't been fired for <laughs> for many, many years. The special area of your brain reserved for prehistoric <laughs> 2. Prehistoric 2. My, my prehistoric 2 room. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of games that I, I get nostalgic about whenever I see them. Lemmings 2 is one of them for some reason. Which is a shame because it's a really shit game. Now, I, at the time when I played it as a kid, I must have been totally blind to that fact. Must have been. Because I thought it was the best thing ever. No. I thought it was an amazing game. I think you were blinded by the whole, oh, they can do jetpacks and then they can do bazookas and they can do yeah, you pole vaulting like and 200 like different kinds of lemmings. Fucking hell. Like Stupid. bazookas and, and then, pole vaults and archers. Every single puzzle in the game revolves around you sending one lemming to the end, doing the thing, and then just letting all the other lemmings go. See, I wouldn't know because I never finished it. No. I just went on the training level and... <laughs> Shot down the balloon lemmings with the archer lemmings and things like that. So for you, you played Lemmings 2 like the incredible machine. Yeah, I just, I, it was just sun, Lemmings the sunbox, basically. 
best part about the game was the packaging. Because it had this little fold-out card thing with a novel in it. I used to have a copy of June, June 1, um, and its packaging had this pop-up sandworm on the front. <laughs> you opened up the front of it, and this sandworm just kind of again, popped out the front of the box. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of that. No? I know it exists. You sure you were imagining it? Yeah, just dreamt sandworms coming out of video game boxes. <laughs> Did the sandworm talk to you? Did he? Did I know it, it, I know it exists. Numbers? It was probably really um, limited edition, the same way the triangular Day of the Tentacle boxes. That came in a triangular box? There you go. I didn't know that. So it did for a very short amount of time. Huh? came in a triangular box. Cool. I'm sure I can get a picture of that. Day of the Tentacle being another point in quote. <laughs> again, we should get a re-release. Again by LucasArts. But yeah, which is getting another re It's getting a re-release, isn't it? Which should. I don't think they said it is or not. I thought it had been announced. No, it had been made. About 80% complete by all accounts, but then got cancelled. Oh. I don't think it's been announced. Oh, that's a shame. So they were working on one and it got canned. Yeah, when, um, when LucasArts got bought. Oh. Oh, okay. No, I thought there'd been news more recently than that. Mmm, don't know about that. So the first, the first Dune game was a puzzle game, wasn't it? Not quite. The first Dune game is more of an adventure game, um, where you literally go through the events of the first Dune book. You're Paul Atreides. You become leader of the Fremen, and then you, um, wage war against the Harkonnen. And you, you you actually send like troops to different parts of the planet and stuff like that. And oh, I see. You end, but you play it in like a first person action adventure style game. Oh right. You have uh, conversations with people and things like that, and it's a really complicated game. It sounds complicated. It is. When I played it when I was little, um, I never got five minutes into it because <laughs> as soon as you leave. A place, and you get onto the sand, you die in about half a minute because you're not wearing a still suit. <laughs> right. So what, I, I think I've, obviously I played the game after I'd played Dune 2, mm. which I was a big fan of. So I played Dune 1 thinking, oh, I'll play Dune 1 and see what that's like. And I must have played it for about 15 minutes or something. Yeah. And saw the, you died because you had no still suit picture. <laughs> like about five to six times. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, but, sounds like a bit of a dick move. Yeah, really. I, I was only able to appreciate it when I got older, because then I got it. So Dune 2, by contrast, was a, a completely different type of game. It was a groundbreaking real-time strategy game, and the precursor to the Command & Conquer series. It's funny, there's a big readme file for Command & Conquer on the CD, and there's an FAQ in it, and the first question is, is this Dune 3? <laughs> Yes, it's the answer to that. <laughs> well, it, no. I think, I think it says, no, this isn't June 3. It just plays a little bit like it. <laughs> it's its own universe. Yeah. And a very good one at that. Yeah. Agreed. C and C can talk about all day. Hmm, perhaps a, Not another today. topic. Not today. So do you have anything more to say on Grim Fandango? I can't wait. Good, good. I'll talk about it after I've finished, played it when it comes out. Yeah, you'll have to give us the the review. Uh, Do we have anything more to say on 
the various sci-fi series that we've covered. Avoid Babylon 5, watch <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, watch DS9, avoid Voyager unless you're a big Star Trek fan, watch The Next Generation, watch the original series. Anything on points and clicks? No. Yeah, I think we're done here. <laughs> I think we're done. Is, is that how we're ending this? That's how we're ending this. Just like, I'm just pulling. Yeah, that's it. I'm pulling the plug. We're, we're, it's, it's done. Still got some more pizza left for you. Really? That's mine. <laughs> so, uh, I hope you've enjoyed our rambling. We'll be tired you if you've enjoyed our ramblings. Our very kind of weaving, chaotic discussion about video games and things. I hope you enjoyed Mark's frustration. <laughs> See, I'd like to remain on topic, and we did not remain on topic. It's boring. <laughs> So yeah, I've been Mark. Oh, is that how we're doing it? (laughs) (laughs) And you've been... Fiona. And we'll catch you next time for another thrilling episode. I'm not saying the title of the podcast at the same time as you are. That would be way too cheesy. Three, two, one. (gasps) No. (laughs) (laughs) Rainbow Drops, bye. Are you calling it rainbow drops? Yeah, I'm calling it rainbow drops. <laughs> okay. It's it's totally not named after um, sweets. I'm totally not going to get sued for that. <laughs> uh.